MailChimp presents. Say you're the head of marketing strategy for a small clothing store. You've perfected digital communication with your loyal customers, and now you want to expand into brick-and-mortar locations. But you haven't totally perfected your segmentation strategy, and double-checking the right emails are sent to the right customers just takes so much time. Intuit MailChimp can help. With Intuit MailChimp's automation and segmentation tools, personalizing each email based on individual behaviors is made easy. Intuit MailChimp allows you to share your new product launch with VIP customers who follow every release, run a targeted campaign for more seasonal buyers, and send out location-specific emails to promote your store openings among your new neighbors. They'll take care of your marketing needs so you can take care of your customers' needs. Start refining your email marketing strategy today with Intuit MailChimp, the number one email marketing and automations brand. Based on competitor brands' publicly available data on worldwide numbers of customers in 2021 and 2022. Availability of features and functionality vary by plan, which are subject to change. We all have that elder, you know, like an auntie, a friend, a parent, who drops wisdom on us and changes the course of our lives. This season... I'm talking to 15 incredible people about important moments they went through and how the elders in their lives got them through it. I'm your host, Jenny Yang, and this is Going Through It. This week, Fazia Mirza. It's really hard to love ourselves if we are carrying so much anger or if we're carrying resentment. Like we have to find a way to reconcile that and handle it and and let it go and release it. My way of releasing it was through art and finding compassion for my mother. And I think we all need to do whatever, however that translates in our own lives. We have to find our own mango. Get ready, friends. You will never see a mango the same way again. Fazia Mirza and I first met in 2016 when we both received an award from the Obama administration for leadership in art and storytelling in the Asian American and Pacific Islander community. I know, it's a mouthful. But listen, the longer you make the name of an award, the more honored I'll feel when you give it to me. <laughs> The moment I saw Foz, I knew we had to be friends. I mean, she hit me with her charisma, her mischievous and funny banter, and her perspective as a queer and Muslim filmmaker. Our friendship was destined. Foz and I both came into the entertainment industry after starting our careers in other fields. She went to law school and worked as a litigator, but Foz realized that her heart was in the creative arts. Once she started to pursue acting, writing, and directing, she found purpose through telling stories about people like her people she never saw on screen, like in her new award-winning short film, Nor and Layla, and the amazing one-minute short, Dare to Dream, which stars Runda Gerrar, another guest on this podcast. And even though making art and coming out have connected Foss to new communities, it hasn't always been easy to connect with the people closest to her, like her mom. Especially if you're an immigrant, the culture gap between you and your family can feel so big. But food brings everyone together. Like my family. We never talked about our feelings. Like, never. 
But I always felt closest to my mom when we made dumplings from scratch or watched Taiwanese dramas while cracking open pumpkin seeds using her special one-handed technique. It's a basically just, you just gotta do your front teeth to the tippy tips and, and move it slowly into the middle. And then all of a sudden the seed just pops out. It, it, it works, it's cool. That's why I'm so excited for you to hear this story about Fozzie and her mom and how mangoes changed the way she viewed their relationship and herself as a queer Muslim artist. If I were to describe my mother now in 2021, she wears a job, she wears her Pakistani clothes, and then also sometimes a shawl. She is an amazing cook, like amazing. Like if there were all the cooking shows back in the day, like I would have signed her up. I would have gotten her a YouTube channel where she could just like be like, recipes by Shanaz, you know, something mm. like that. You know, so like there's the now mom and then there's the mom I remember from the past. And I'm inspired by both. Mom back then, she was the woman who would drive 20 hours alone with two kids in the back just to get the job done, whatever that meant. Like, she was boundless in her energy. She used to sell Tupperware back in the day. You know, she was that kind of mom. Mm. She definitely did like 20 minute workout and Jane Fonda exercises and she was impeccable the way she dressed, earrings, her sari, she loved makeup. She was like a movie star. Like, mm. that's how I remember my mom. Mm. And when anyone in our family ever talked about her, they were like, oh, your mom. She was just, there's a word, la javab, which means like, almost like there's no word to express what she was like. Mm -hmm. And I definitely grew up wanting to be like her. There's two things I can talk to my mom about that don't cause controversy. Ironically, politics. <laughs> I know. Does that make sense? No. Ooh. I mean, not gay rights, of course. Right. But like, we can talk about, you know, Pakistani politics and we can talk about food. That is how we can connect in a way that is not controversial. Yeah. I can ask her for recipes. She will show me. She'll even show my wife how to like make a roti, the proper way to slap the dough when to temper the lentils, how to do it properly, what the ingredients are. We can talk about that all day, every day. And mangoes, we can talk about those. It's a way for us to connect in a way that we really can't connect about mostly anything else that I'm doing. Even my career, what I write about, I write a lot about being queer. I write a lot about being queer and Muslim. I write a lot about my relationship with my mother. <laughs> So we're sticking with mangoes. Let's stick with mangoes. Exactly. <laughs> mangoes or marriage? Man, let's go mangoes. <laughs> so, yeah, it's like the mango is a safe place for us. It's like an island. Like Mango Island is where my mother and I can have a uh, healthy, safe relationship. So I was born in Canada. And when I was about uh, 17 years old, my family moved to Wabash, Indiana, which is as sexy of a place as it sounds. <laughs> and, you know, Indiana is not that far from Canada. So my mom and I went on a road trip to Toronto, Ontario. And Toronto is famous for many things. Uh, you know, the Blue Jays, it's got the Sky Dome, it's the CN Tower. Also, it's got 
one of the biggest South Asian populations in the entire country and one of the most famous food streets for South Asians in all of North America, at least at the time. I'm told it's now changed, but at the time. And that's Girard Street. So mm. my mom was in search of mangoes. And not only was she in search of mangoes, she was in search of mangoes that she was then going to bring back to the USA. And I, I feel like it's important to note here that for South Asian people, mangoes are like religion. <laughs> and, and if you ask any like Pakistani person, for example, they will tell you that the Pakistani mango is the only mango that matters. So my mom gets like a couple cases of these Pakistani mangoes and loads them up in the back of our conversion van. You know, we're driving towards the border and I grew up being very aware of like crossing the border and that like your parent holds the passports and you have to be really quiet and chill and just look really innocent. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I mean, I'm like 18 at the time. And I'm like, I didn't do anything wrong. I don't have to act innocent. Like I am innocent. But still, there was always like a warning, like don't talk to the immigration border person, like they will handle it. We get to the border and the car smelled of mangoes. Like these are ripe mango, like the whole car smells of these. My mom puts down the window, the guy's like, ma'am, you know, where are you coming from? Where are you going? She answers all those questions. And then he's like, are you bringing back any fresh fruits or vegetables from Canada into the United States? My mom is like, no. And the guy just, <laughs> the guy just kind of cocks his head and looks at her and is like, no, really? And she's like, no, I'm, there's not, I'm not bringing anything back. And the guy looks at me, looks back at my mom and he's like, ma'am, could you pull over? And so then my mom has to pull the car over he asked her to get out. And he's like, come to the back of the car. Please open your car up. And then he just, and the mangoes aren't even hidden, by the way. I think there was like maybe a shawl on top of them or something. You know what I mean? And then he's like, so this is, this is fruit. This is fresh fruit. You're yeah. And she just looks at him. He looks at her. He's like, you can't bring these into the country. And she's like, but they're really good. And he's like, I, I can't, you can't bring them in. <laughs> And she's like, well, what do you want me to do with them? And he's like, you're going to have to throw them away. And she said, well, can I eat them? And he said, fine. And so then <laughs> my mom and I, with this case of mangoes, stand over this giant trash barrel, sucking them, eating them with our hands, tearing them open with our hands as many as we can the juices dripping down our faces. She looked at me. I remember her looking at me in the eyes and being like, good. Hmm? <laughs> that moment of her at the border and her boldness, that is who she is. One of the things that I'm always inspired by when I reflect on her is that spirit of who she is. I feel like that's who she was in the past. That's who is her in her. And like now when she thinks that I'm like so different than her, I'm reminded of that spirit and her boldness and her brashness. And I'm like, no, mom, we're actually the same. Oh, it's just we come yeah. in different packages. Like, you know, she now is dresses very conservatively. She prays five times a day, eats only halal food. I 
look like Ralph Macchio. I am a lesbian. I am vegan. (laughs) And yet we are exactly the same on the inside. Like we have that same mango spirit. (laughs) Oh, I love that. You know, it actually makes me think about the story I've been uh, telling when I explain this podcast, which is how like, you know, I always thought that I was different from my mom, like so different that she didn't necessarily influence me as a comedian. But like I could relate to this. Like she is very different, but ultimately we do have the same spirit. I've realized that. And and especially since I've gotten older. And so what was your relationship like growing up and how did that change? Well, like many South Asian moms, she was not always that easy on me in terms of expectations. You know, she wanted me to be like a proper feminine Pakistani woman. And I definitely didn't fit into the mold of what I think she wanted or expected a young girl to be. I mean, I didn't come out until much later, until I was like 29. And so that was definitely a shock for her. And she, it wasn't okay. Mm-hmm. It was There was never a time when it was like, oh, she she knows. And it's like, you know, a lot of non-Muslim people or non-brown people or non-Asian people or non-white people, a lot of white people will say, well, she must have known that you were gay. And I'm like, no, that's not, she wasn't even processing on that level. Mm. That's not something she was even thinking about and still doesn't like to think about. So when I told her it was, it was really hard for her and she wanted me to change. Those are, that's a direct quote. You know, she was like, you have to change. And I was like, I'm not going to change. And that really defines many years of our relationship. You have to change. I'm not going to change. And I would say writing and creating art and writing a play about her and, and, and really being influenced by my relationship with her and writing about her in my work has, it's been therapy. It's been very therapeutic for me. And I realized that if I wanted to really move forward and be who I am, and have all that self-love that we know we need, I had to let go of that anger that I had. It's really hard to love ourselves if we are carrying so much anger or if we're carrying resentment. Like we have to find a way to reconcile that and handle it and, and let it go and release it. My way of releasing it was through art and finding compassion for my mother. And I think we all need to do whatever, however that translates in our own lives. We have to find our own mango. You know? So how do you guys connect now? Is it still over mangoes? A lot has happened since that mango incident over the trash can with my mother. I've come out as queer. I've gotten married. And those are not things that we can connect over. And there's a lot of things that are just difficult to talk about in our relationship. Then I just heard this story about this mango trade that happens in L.A., And my friend told me, like, she and I were just talking. And, of course, the subject of mangoes comes up. It's important to this story that the friend I was talking to is South Asian. And so, of course, one of the things that will come up, we'll talk about our vice president. We definitely will talk about shawls. You know, like, these are things uh, that come up. Biryani comes up a lot. We will talk about mangoes. And she's like, oh, well, do you know about the mango trade in L.A.? And I'm like, what are you talking about? What is this mango trade in L.A.? She's like, yeah, there are these uncles that fly in mangoes from Pakistan. I'm like, that's not possible. Those aren't real. (laughs) 
And she's like, no, no, no. They really, they fly in mangoes and you can get them. There's WhatsApp groups for them. And I messaged one of them and I got connected to a woman in LA who has been in touch with these uncles. And she starts telling me the story of how she's basically become a Pakistani mango importer here in LA. So she and I start connecting and I get onto this WhatsApp group with this uncle. And when I say uncles, I don't mean like a literal blood relative. I mean like, you know, anyone older than you or even just like a guy with a mustache who's (laughs) not related to you usually. Because if you were related to him, you'd have a different name for him. And he starts sending me photographs of mangoes and being like, the mangoes are coming. Do you want any? So then I... (laughs) And it was almost kind of like sending a nude. It's you know like what I'm saying? Sex, okay, sexy. Wow. And it and I was so turned on because there I am imagining myself sucking on a mango, juices dripping down my face. And I kind of teamed up with this woman who has done this before. And she was like, here's what happens. You order them by the case. They're like $8 a mango which is really expensive, by the way, for those of you who are not mango experts out there. And the guy imports them by the case in this plane. You go to LAX, you meet him in this cargo area. He gives you the cases and then you take them home. I bought a case. I had about 15 mangoes by the end. I cut one of them up and gave half of it to my wife and had half of it. And then there's like the mango is made in such a way where there's this giant seed in the middle. And really, the only way to really eat the seed is you got to suck on it. And when I was a kid, I used to think that was the worst part because it was messy. It was the messiest. But I found myself sucking on this giant mango seed so happy. And I don't know why I feel like crying right now. But I found myself remembering this moment with my mom and um, just realizing that She was right. You know, there's sometimes nothing better than a Pakistani mango. (laughs) (laughs) You're making me cry. (laughs) There is nothing better. I've never had a Pakistani mango and I'm convinced. So I told my mom that I did this in L.A., with the mangoes. Yeah. And she was so impressed and she started, she was like, wow, Fazia, send me some. How do I get some? Like, and then kind of got giddy, like a school girl. She was like, oh my gosh, what kind? You know, like she was just so excited by it. And I felt like, oh my gosh, I did something right. This is probably the greatest validation I've ever gotten from my mother in my entire life. You're like, I could have gotten straight A's. I could have won awards from Obama's administration. I could have been a lawyer. Yeah. I could have made a successful movie. I could but have no. written for TV. Nope. You could have gotten married to an amazing woman. Nope. Nope. Oh, my God. I have to share that I, too, have a very emotional connection with tropical fruit. Because, you know, I was born in Taiwan and... I came to America when I was five because my dad worked for an airlines. And that meant every year I had a free ticket to go back. Every summer between five and 14, I went back to Taiwan. And I had my favorite uncle 
okay? He cursed a lot. He smoked. He drank Johnny Walker like water. At some point, he drove a taxi. You know that guy. Yeah. Flip-flops. He sounds like a lot of South Asian guys I know. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. And every time I would go back, I would eat all these tropical fruits we didn't have in America, like mangoes and this fruit called wax apples, star fruit, sugar cane. And then after I was 14, I didn't go back for a long time. And it wasn't until like, I don't know, six years ago as a full-grown adult that I went back. And so like I flew in and my uncle picked me up and we went to his house. And like before I could even put my bag down, my aunt walked out with this plate of perfectly cut fruit, just, you know, just a medley of all those tropical fruits. And then they left me to settle in. So I'm alone sitting there with this plate of fruit. I start eating it and I just started crying. (laughs) I just, I'm just full on tearing up because I was so happy and like so touched like just because they knew this was my happy place, you know? Like I so I get it. I understand how like something so simple as eating a piece of fruit can make you feel so connected to home. Ugh, like I relate so hard. <laughs> like when you reflect on this whole journey around this mango and like this moment with your mom, what did you learn from your mom? I've been trying to understand why have I been seeking mangoes here in 2021 and in LA and I just want connection. I want to connect to her. I want to connect to my past. I feel like truly I'm connecting to like lineage, to ancestors. Like they were around these trees that grew in this soil for years. And like who else, you know, before the British came and colonized the subcontinent in South Asia, like, oh, these mango trees were there. And before that, there were no Indians and Pakistanis. There was just these brown people in their regional tribes speaking their dialects. And that was beautiful. And so it it really feels like the mango seed is like some sort of portal into the past. There are always going to be differences intergenerationally. And also there are going to be things that your elders were were right about. Mm -hmm. And the mango is one of them. (laughs) It's maybe it's good to listen to them sometimes. I mean, I'm still going to be gay. Like, let's, (laughs) let's, you know, be real. But you got the mangoes right. I got the mangoes right. Maybe like Foz, you felt this tension in your life. I know I have. What do you do when you can make a career out of connecting with complete strangers, but you can't seem to connect with those who are closest to you, like your own mother? I mean, we have to find ways to connect where we can. The tiniest everyday things, like a mango, can somehow carry the weight of your relationship with your mother and even your entire culture. I really love this different kind of lesson from an elder. It's not about one piece of advice they gave you, but it's about the way they live. The way they teach you about who you are by their example, by the choices they make. It's about how you figure out even the smallest ways to express your love and connection with each other. Maybe through a simple tropical fruit. Okay, I really want a mango now.
Through It is an original podcast created in partnership with MailChimp and Pineapple Street Studios. Executive producers for Going Through It are Jayann Berry, Jenna Weiss-Berman, and Max Linsky. Our managing producer is Agarenish Ashagre. This season is produced by the all-star team of Sophia Steinert-Evoy, Emerald O'Brien, and Yinka Rickford-Anguin. And we're edited by the irreplaceable Aaron Edwards. We're engineered to perfection or very close to it by Davey Sumner. Our theme music was produced by Raj Makija. Dawood Anthony also produced original music for this season with additional tunes from Epidemic Sound and Blue Dot Sessions. Legal services for Pineapple Street by Bianca Grimshaw at Granderson Des Rochers. Extra special thanks to Himia Freeman for his support on this production. And of course, the biggest thanks to my own elders for everything and for being the inspiration behind the show. Mom, Dad, Margaret Cho, Tracy Katokiriyama, Keiko Agena, Tim Sams, Gina Lugong, Kwan Fung, Michelle Ko, and so many more. And thanks in general to my loud-ass partner, Corey Higgs, for staying quiet in the house for me. And thank you for listening.